But I want to talk about today a continuation of what I spoke about last week, and that's the power of our tongues. I want to talk about what it means to live our lives with a tamed tongue. Now, the scripture comes from James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. I've been reading the book of James over and over and over again. And in verse number 7 of chapter 3, he says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, this is written by a pastor of a huge church. James was leading the church in Jerusalem, and I think he'd come to experience firsthand the danger of untamed tongues. When people who love Jesus, but they've never allowed Jesus to tame their tongue, he says he's realized it's a restless evil. Your tongue can breathe life or do damage. My problem, as I've pondered this, is that the word tame rhymes with lame, and it sounds lame to have a tame tongue. When I think tamed, I'm thinking like the circus. You know, as you get older, the circus seems to get smaller, and it seems to go from bright and shiny to a bit dull and dodgy. And that is when the circus comes to Richard's Bay, and I drive past, and I look at those lions. They're the most docile creatures you've ever seen before. I mean, we've got the game parks here, and lions are supposed to be like wild, not tamed. And we've got an incredible elephant, you know, that run and just walk through the bush in Zululand, and now they like just stand there, tamed. And so when I'm thinking, Lord, do I want a tame tongue? I'm like, tame is a bit lame. Certainly that's how I thought about it. But as I've been pondering it, I've been realizing that, you know, when Jesus wants to tame our tongue, he doesn't want to take away the fire. He doesn't want to take away the strength because we as sons and daughters of God, there's power in what we say. Rather, under the reign of a master, he wants to take our tongues from doing damage to being instruments of life and victory and breakthrough. So, the better image now I have in mind, you know what's also tamed is a horse that leads into battle. And when you see those people charging into war with their their horses covered in in armor as they charge, as they break through enemy lines, those animals are also tamed, but they're not lame. They're carrying great power. And in exactly the same way, if we will allow our tongues to be tamed, I believe Jesus wants to use your very words and not just preaching from a platform, but talking and encouraging and sharing and, and all of our talking, God wants to use it for his glory and to bring about life and change. To have our tongues tamed by the Lord is not to lose the fire, but to become a weapon in the master's hand, like a bit in the the mouth of a horse. And now the horse can be directed wherever the master wants. I want my tongue tamed by Jesus. It's a tool to direct, like a rudder on a ship. Remember, we looked at those pictures. There it is. Our tongues can impact people's destinies. Just little words of encouragement, the right time, a little word, a prayer and encouragement can have a major impact on people's destinies. I'm saying, Lord, that's what I want. Casual conversation, which one day you'll discover actually your little conversation impacted someone's destiny. We're a match to light a fire. Not forest fires of destruction, but fires that put revival inside people. When you speak, I see something inside of you. Words of encouragement, words that speak love or hope or, or catch a glimpse of God's grace. So many people don't realize or know their purpose or gifting, but you might see it in someone. And your one little word could spark a fire that changes their lives. So the big idea, taming is not normally an instant process. 
In fact, as I've thought about this concept of taming, there's two kinds. One is to break in a horse. Now, I watched those, those cowboy movies, certainly when I was growing up, and, and the cowboy gets onto this wild stallion. There's no, this was before the days of horse whisperers, where cowboys were cowboys and they had spurs and they just got on these wild animals or, or these rodeos. There's no gentle jump, no, no, there's a battle, there's a clash of two powerful authorities. And eventually, if the cowboy wants to tame this horse, he has to break through to actually show, no, 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 there's going to be one alpha male here. And same way, sometimes there's things with our tongue that is a straight clash of authority between you and Jesus. I like to talk this way. I like to drop a couple of F-bombs here. I like to speak a few racist jokes now and then. I like a little sexist jokes. I like to get mad. I like to do these things. And Jesus... As we come under his lordship, it's a clash of authority because Jesus says that's not appropriate for a child of the living God. And so sometimes being tamed is simply your authority and Jesus' authority clashing and only one of them is going to win. And a tamed tongue means we say, Jesus, I have received you as my Lord and as my Savior. And so I want to present my tongue so that it brings glory and honor to you. There's another form of taming as well. When you watch the, those National Geographic and there's some, some uh, guy or some girl who's a photographer and they want to go and live with the apes for a few years to take amazing photos or whatever those kind of things they do. And, and over time, you know when they, the, 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 the apes, they wild, but they see here someone hanging around, hanging around, coming a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. At first, the animals are thinking this must be a threat, but then over time, they learn to trust. There's no threat here. Actually, this person is coming with... with with a heart of love. Now, in the same way, part of the taming of our tongue is recognizing that the ways of Jesus are different to our ways. His word is radical, but counterintuitive and very different to the way you might have been brought up. Let me give you some examples. In Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, I'm sure my dad will be watching. My dad, when I grew up, he was like angry guy who was quite happy to fight with every sort of store manager we went into. And uh, if he got mad, then the manager would get mad, and he would get madder, and basically whoever got the angriest won the fight, it appeared. But the Bible says something different. It says, no, no, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now, at first you think, oh, is that going to work? Surely if someone gets mad at me, I'm going to get double mad back at them. No, no, trust his ways. Our, tame is, our tongue is tamed when we begin to trust what Jesus says. And if you've never tried it before, try it. It's so difficult to get really angry with someone who's gentle. You just don't, they don't fight back. Okay, I understand. Yeah. And then he has a little gentle answer and suddenly he's like, uh, uh. can't really fight because there's no. Uh. What about this one in Proverbs 15 verse 4? The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A soothing tongue. There's a time that your tongue can soothe people when they are mad or frustrated or hurting or despondent or sad. The soothing tongue, like a tree of life. It says in Proverbs 15 verse 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt or a good reply or a wise reply. And how good is a timely word? There are going to be times people come to you and they ask you for advice or, or you're in a conversation and you don't know what to say and you say, Holy Spirit, what do I say? And in that moment, a thought comes to mind and you share this thought that comes to mind and the lights come on and people say, wow, okay, that's brilliant. And you suddenly, what a joy. 
Instead of just me and my wisdom, my past advice, no, no, Holy Spirit, what do I say? My point is this. Sometimes our tongues need to be tamed by repentance and confession because your authority and Jesus' authority is clashing and you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. At other times, your tongue is gonna be tamed as you learn to trust his word more. Let me trust you enough to do what your word says and then we see the fruit of that. So, very quickly then, I've got uh, a couple of minutes to go through the whole book of James. And I want to give you just uh, five things that he says about the powers of our tongue. Number one, what does that I mean? I'm looking, the heading is, what does a tamed tongue look like? What does it look like when we truly submit our tongue under the Lordship of Jesus? Number one, a tongue under the Lordship of Jesus prioritizes listening over speaking. Sure. James 1, 19 to 21. Many of you will know the scripture. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. What does that look like? Have you ever spoken to someone and halfway through your sentence they've already interrupted? And they finished your sentence, and, and before you've tried to explain what you mean, they're already explaining what they mean. And they're just so fast, quick to listen, slow to speak. One of the marks of a tongue under the Lordship of Jesus is to rein back your tongue, to place more of an emphasis on listening to understand than just projecting your opinion all of the time. I was watching... Um, a little uh, program on YouTube or something the other day about American tourists visiting Finland. And uh, this, this lady was saying what an adjustment it was for her because haven't been there, but apparently the, the Finnish people converse differently. Apparently in Finland, they'll have a conversation where one person will talk and talk and the other person will listen and nod and then I'll finish talking and then there'll be a pause. Then the other person will, will give an answer and a reply and share the idea, and then there'll be a pause. And I'll think, and then I'll share something more, and that's how their conversation. Now, American tourist comes along, we don't do pauses. And so straight away, halfway through, just cut in and share an answer, and if there's a pause, jump in and fill the pause. Point is this, their conversation was different because there was more emphasis on listening than on speaking. Bible says, every one of us, Take note of this. We should all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What about this one? A tongue under the lordship of Jesus would rather be merciful than right all the time. Yikes. A tongue under the lordship of Jesus would rather, if you're going to defer to one side or the other, or default, rather default to being merciful than being right all the time. Have you ever had chats with people who just have to always be right? No, no matter what happens, they are going to be right. Bible tells us, James 2 verses 12 and 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, the more merciful we are to others, the more mercy we will receive from others and from God. And so sometimes we, uh, you know, if you hear people sometimes, well, all I did was say what everyone else was thinking. 
No, you just didn't have the restraint to show some mercy sometimes. Or all I'm doing is telling the truth. No, you're not just telling the truth. You're being a bit of a, I don't know, I'll think of something creative. You see, sometimes truth is actually judgment and criticism. There's a time for critical conversations. There's a time to sit with someone and bring about an adjustment or challenge them. But those times should be done carefully, prayerfully, in private, and with encouragement. To speak words out publicly that cut and criticize are dangerous. What it looks like, it means someone who's learned to speak with kindness more than judgment. It means giving someone the benefit of the doubt and not just assuming that you understand. It looks like accepting that some people will see things differently to you. It means not always having to have the last say. It means realizing that you could win an argument but lose the relationship. So thirdly, a tongue under the lordship of Jesus, according to James, speaks more about the Lord and about the other and others than themselves. He has another mark of what does it mean? Is my tongue under the lordship of Jesus? Well, who are you talking about all the time? Because if all the time it always ends up being about you, then no, your tongue hasn't yet been tamed by the lordship of Jesus. In James 4, 13 to 17, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin to them. You know, my favorite definition of humility, it's not thinking about yourself less. It's just thinking less. No, no, it's, I always get it wrong. It's so hard. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. You know, people have... Uh, Hey, Brent, you preached well. It's like, no, I'm not really good. It was all Jesus. And no, 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 you're still just talking about yourself. True humility actually just takes the focus off ourselves and puts it back on the Lord, puts it back onto others. In fact, uh, I was having a, a little conversation with my son. I've got a, a pet peeve. Uh, even some of the beautiful songs that we sing in church, sometimes I'm left wondering, are we really worshiping Jesus or is it still about us? And it's one of the, the things as an eldership, we, we're always kind of encouraging the musos and we want to make that adjustment more and more. How many times is the word Jesus versus how many times is the word I and me? And Sam, he's our oldest. He's, uh, he's down in Durban now. He's part of a church there and he's one of the musos. His mom has trained him well. And uh, he was saying the same thing. It's like, Dad, there's that song. What's the line? I'm going to sing it to you. Um, oh, yeah, this song. Remember that beautiful song? Now, maybe you wrote the song, but, and it's a great song, but you are perfect in all of your ways. Remember that song? You are perfect in all of your ways. And it's beautiful. God's perfection. And then the last little line says, you're perfect in all of your ways to me. What do you mean to me? I mean, God's perfect or he's not perfect? What do you mean perfect to me? Why does me even have to feature in the song about God's perfection? You hear my heart? I think I've picked up my son's passion for that song now. Bottom line is, a tongue under the lordship of Jesus is not about me. It's used for others, for his glory, and to encourage and build up those around us. Almost done. Number four, a tongue under the lordship of Jesus doesn't grumble. Oh, I should have put this point before the other one. 
Tongue under the Lordship of Jesus doesn't grumble. James 5, 7 to 9. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. What are we talking about here in terms of grumbling? What does that look like? It means fault finding. You know, when you're talking, you're always bringing up other people's false gossip. I've spoken about gossip before. I've got a friend, uh, Bruce McAlpine, and uh, he, he brought, he challenged me many times on living according to this rule. If I am not prepared to say something to you, then I'm not prepared to say it about you. That's the rule of love. And that should be the way we measure it. And someone might come to you one day and they might tell you about, oh, this Chaz guy, have you seen what he's done, this and that? And then what you do at that time is you say, yo, we need to tell Chaz. Let me phone him on speaker quickly. And at that point, if the person begins to back away, then hopefully they'll get the message. Don't be that person who just passes on another piece of gossip. If you do not have the courage to say it to them, then don't say it about them. It looks like slander, being negative, complaining. You know what I've noticed is how I really do win every argument in my mind. I don't know, maybe you're similar. Maybe I'm just really gifted. But when I'm miffed at someone or when I've interpreted a situation, it's just so clear in my mind about how right I am and how wrong the other person is every time. I mean, I don't know, like, really, I am 100% innocent and they are 100% wrong until I actually speak to them. And when I speak to them, all of those assumptions that I had inside of me, you suddenly realize, no, actually, in that situation, they were doing the best they could with the best heart they could. And yet in my mind, I'm scheming they related to Satan because of the decisions they made. <laughs> the point that I'm making is sometimes we can be very quick to grumble, complain, slander without taking the time to actually understand. And then when we do, our perspective changes. And lastly, number five, a tongue under the lordship of Jesus doesn't swear. It says in James 5, 12 and 13, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anyone else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Which is quite interesting. Now, what does it mean to swear? Here it meant making oaths. And sometimes uh, it's like my hand on the Bible, I swear I'm telling the truth. No, you shouldn't have to say hand on the Bible. Or people who start sentences like, I promise. Why are you having to promise? When we were being trained, Dudley Daniel, who started the New Covenant Ministries uh, apostolic team, I remember someone, I think, asked him a question once publicly. Let me be honest with you. What about this or that? And he just stopped and said, whoa, 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 whoa. what do you mean let me be honest with you? Does that mean next time you speak to me and you don't start the sentence, let me be honest, you're not being honest? Uh, well, you've just told me. Now, either you're an honest person or you're not. Why do you have to start with, I promise? What do you mean if you don't promise? Does that mean maybe? You hear what I'm saying? As children of God, so let your yes be yes, your no be no. Now that can begin to manifest in different ways. Sometimes it could be uh, making promises, could be using bad language. It could be, do you know you get maybe people, and I'm, I'm challenged, but I know some people in my life, if they say maybe, I know it means no. Do you know some people like that? Some people, it's a genuine maybe, and it could go either way, but many people I know, they'll say maybe, but I know actually it's a no, but they haven't got the courage to say no. 
And I know what that's like because I want to be a people pleaser, so I want to tell people what they want to hear, but in my heart, actually, I know no. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Challenge is to be a simple yes or no person. So when the Lord tames a tongue, it does not mean that the fire goes out. It means that your tongue becomes a source of love. When Jesus had used some tough words and, and some of the disciples were beginning to withdraw and scatter and, and Jesus said, are you guys leaving as well? And Simon Peter replied in John 6 verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. I was uh, in Peter Marisburg this week with a church in, uh, in, in Peter Marisburg. They're looking to buy a piece of land and, and a building. And so I was spending time with my friend. We were praying and trusting, chatting with the elders. And uh, the next day it's like, hey, let's go hiking. Now, it's because him and I have hiked together down at Hole in the Wall. And he knows I love it. So off we go into the Carcloof area, top of Howick, and now it's hot. And I loved it because most of the hike was in the canopies and the trees, but then you come out on top and it's baking. And by the time we get back under the canopy of the trees, your water bottle is not a water bottle, it's a hot water bottle. And yet then we went into the, 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 the canopy and here's one of those streams that comes straight out of the mountain. And from this hot water bottle, glug, glug, pour it out, to fill our water bottles afresh with some mountain stream water that is just ice cold, crystal clear. Thank you, Jesus. This is worship right here. In the same way, the Bible says you can't, the spring of your life, it can't be spring water and salt water. It has to be one or the other. When, you, when I was driving back, you know when you come from Maritzburg down into Durban, just before Marion, Marion Hill Toll Plaza, there's that long bridge, and on the left-hand side, there's always trucks and cars stopped there because there's a little spring that comes out of the mountain right there. Truck drivers, drive, they are always looking for fresh, cold water. I want to ask you, church, I want to ask you to make a commitment. I want to ask you today, if you're willing, to bring your tongue before the Lord and say, Jesus, I want my tongue to be a blessing. I want you to use my tongue, like these pictures that we've had. I want you to put a bit in my mouth so that you can direct me and so that my tongue doesn't direct my life. I want you to use my tongue, not just to direct my destiny, but to impact the destiny of others. I want you to use my tongue, not to light fires like an arsonist of division and destruction, but to light fires of revival. Jesus, I want my tongue to become a source of life. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you stand with me, please? If you don't mind closing your eyes for a moment, Heavenly Father, we, we know one of the, the first revelations we have of you, Father, is creator of the heavens and the earth. And you simply spoke, let there be, let there be lights. And Father, we are made in your image, and we want to recognize the power and potential of our tongues. Jesus, we've asked you to be Lord of our lives, and we recognize the practicality of living under your lordship means bringing our tongues in submission to your government, your ways, and your word. And Heavenly Father, we want to present our tongue afresh to you to bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you be like that bit in our mouths to rein us in when we need to be reined in, to break us in when our tongues are trying to rule our lives. And for some of us, we need to confess right now words that have been uh, ugly words, angry words, foul words. 
Holy Spirit, we want to bring it in confession before you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus. We want our tongues to become a rudder, literally directing destinies, our own, but the people around us, in the office, at the factory, with our children, with our friends, that our tongues would be like a rudder that speaks life and destiny and hope and encouragement, prophecy. Holy Spirit, we want our tongues to be like a spark that would light fires, fires of encouragement and vision and hope. Come, Holy Spirit. Just where you are this morning, if, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit is calling you to a deeper surrender of your tongue, won't you make that prayer just in the quietness of your heart right now, full surrender. And for some of you, maybe you're visiting this morning, I've spoken a lot about coming under the Lordship of Jesus. Truly, that's what it means to become a Christian. <clears throat> Not just accepting Jesus as your Savior, but surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus, putting more faith in Jesus to save you than faith in yourself and your ways to save you. And so if you're here today and have never surrendered your life to the Lord, Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord, the Lord, not Jesus, my friend, Jesus, Lord, will be saved. And right now in your heart, you could say, Jesus, I surrender. I have sinned. I've messed up. I've been doing it my way. Today, I repent. I turn from being a slave to sin. Jesus, I want to come under your lordship, your leadership. Would you come and rescue me and save me? And friends, if that's you today, and maybe right now God is tugging on your heart, I'd love to pray with you. We've got a team of elders and, and guys who are going to minister to you. We'd love to just take two minutes and pray with you and encourage you. Some of you this morning might uh, need some prayer. Maybe physically something in your body. Maybe you're just struggling in some way. We would love to pray for you and lay hands upon you. You're welcome to come and join us up front in just a moment. But Father, we thank you so much that you're with us, that you love us, that you are our shade at our right hand. Father, thank you that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand rests upon us. And so we give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. may the Lord bless you. Our little tithes and offering boxes are at the door. If you want to make use of that, won't you drop your little plastic?